0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast Hero Nation, our first one of 2022. We are speaking today
2: with Scream executive producer and the creator of the franchise, Kevin Williamson. The new film opens today. Welcome to Hero Nation.
1: Oh, well, um, hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'd we'd almost want to scream, but that would be a terrible cliche. Yeah. (laughs) But go
2: for it. So tell us about this recent, they're calling it a requel, and they even joke about it as you know, in this, nat- in this nature right now that we have with certain movies. They're sequels, but they're reboots at the same time. Can you talk about this latest attempt to get it off the ground? And were there any discussions to do this five years ago or no, because you have a TV show?
3: Um, which question first? Um... Well, the the feature, this,
2: all of like this well, feature, this particular feature.
3: No, there was no discussion with me about it. So all for me, it, it, you know, when West passed, I had already said goodbye to it. You know, I and actually I'd said goodbye to it with screen Four. that was sort of the ending for me. And and um, I didn't think there would be another one. And I was OK with that. I'd made peace with it. And it just seemed like the beginning of my career, not not where my career should be going. Um, but at the same time, I'm happy it happened. You know, when I got the phone call, I was really excited. I do know that bef- the uh, in the last year before it happened, there was a lot of talk about it, because, who, who you know, we knew screen was going up on the auction block. And we knew that Lantern was trying to buy it. And then Spyglass came in and got it. I think the Miramax, the new Miramax even made a play for it. And then I think Spyglass ultimately won it. And, or I, you would have to ask them, I'm not really sure of the, fa- the fact check on that. But, um, and then they, uh, then they started talking to me.
1: Now I have a question. I mean, franchises, you know, right now, anything that's ever been a franchise is getting a relook, if not a reboot, if not a revival. And I'm sure, I'm sure more than anyone, you're aware of that. And looking over the past few years, were you kind of thinking, oh, this is gonna come around eventually. How do I, how do I feel about this? Do I wanna be here? Because you mentioned about after the great Wes Craven passed, honor be him, blessed be his name, that, he, that you had already divorced yourself from this to some extent. But this is show business, not show friends, Kevin. And you know that this is you know that this is coming. How were you thinking about do I want to do this? What do I want it to be? How do I want it to be? How how deeply involved do I want to be? Where were you? Where was your head about all that? Yeah, you know, it was it's very complicated.
3: It comes with so much. Baggage, this whole project and this whole franchise, because it's not just you know the beginning of my career, and it comes with all the excitement of of, of a lot of firsts, but it also comes with 16 years of working with Weinstein's It also comes with you know um, the passing. Of that's West. a
1: whole other podcast, buddy Yeah, that's another podcast.
3: But the um you know West passing was you know it hit me hard, and and so I. I had just sort of put it away but in the last year when it started happening i was like well what if they did make it what would what could we do you know what would it be because i originally when i pitched scream four i pitched scream four five and six and scream four was a little bit of a, a hodgepodge of what i wanted screen three to be so you know everything beca- you know something led to something else and with and then ultimately, I just washed my hands and said, "No, I don't want any part of it." I wish them well. I hope they make it. I hope there's a Scream Twenty, and I hope I'm you know can watch it from a wheelchair somewhere. And I really, really um, wish them well. And then Jamie Vanderbilt called me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I met with Spyglass. I met with Gary uh, earlier about Scream, but it was just one of those general meetings. It was just really weird. We we didn't really we talked about Scream, but we didn't and. And I didn't really, I walked away from the meeting going, hmm, I don't know what to make of that meeting. And then Jamie called me and said, we have Scream, we've talked Gary into making it, and we want you to be a part of it. And he took me to lunch. Did
2: you share your, did any of your plans for Scream 5 and 6 work into this
3: film? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. A little bit by accident. It's just stuff they came up with. And I went, okay, that wasn't that was supposed to be in screen three. And then a few other things happened. I went, okay, well, that would have been and they made a big move in this new movie that I was going to do if I had was if I was going to write it myself. But at the same time, I didn't have any thought-out idea. I mean, the pressure of writing screen five without Wes and to do it all by myself, it was overwhelming. And it's also such a it's I'm so far removed from Scream now, sort of as a storyteller. I'm not quite sure what my next... I always thought it would be better if we pass it off to somebody else. I always thought the passing of the torch would bring a freshness to the franchise.
1: But let me ask you a question about this, because when, when, when we've spoken to franchise creators in the past or when you've looked at franchise creators, George Lucas comes to mind, obviously, that passing of the torch, easily said, not often easily executed. So what is that, what is that actually like for you to say, I'm giving you these characters, I'm giving you some of my ideas for these characters, and then I'm stepping back?
3: Well, I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I had given away, with Screen 4, there was, uh, you know, there was a lot
1: of stuff that happened with that movie with the previous owners. You are, you are an immense master of understatement, my friend. And so
3: I had signed away all my rights, so I didn't even have you know, any rights left, of I, I was all, I was completely free and clear in the movie, in order for me to sort of separate myself from the Weinstein to get out of my uh, overall deal, one of the conditions was I had to give away my rights to swing. yeah, and so, that, I mean, I, I was happy to do it, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted freedom at that point, and so, um, I, uh, so Jamie Vanigal called me and took me to lunch. And you're right; it was hard. It's very complicated. There's so many emotions tied up into it on a very personal level. But from a pragmatic sense, I was just happy that someone like Jamie was going to do it because I've always been a fan of his.
2: Now, not to reveal too much, but Melissa Barrera's character is a ter- is a certain pivotal character in this new edition. That type her character. Well, did you always have that in mind? Like going back to your Scream 5 and 6, was that always the plan? No.
3: That's all Jamie and Guy.
1: Okay. Okay. But okay, but about that then, because, and I really, Kevin, I hope you don't think we're belaboring this, but the amount of skill and craft that went into creating Scream, that was such a game changer when it it, uh, Mm -hmm. debuted in the 90s, because it was, so, it was so meta and yet so good at the same time, which let's be honest, isn't often the case. Not saying Matrix Resurrection here, but I, I am saying say, Matrix yeah. Resurrection here. Um, <clears throat> how do you, when you look at that, and you look at, you know, these are your children, creatively. You know, and I know legally you're disengaged and that's a whole process. But for that, what is that process for you looking at this and saying, well, I would have done that like that or I actually totally love that? Well, it's weird because it's a little bit of both.
3: You know, I've worked in television so, so much that I've had to work with so many different writers. I've gotten sort of into the groove of listening to other writers ideas and working with them and helping them and shape them. And, you know, one of my things now that as I get older is. I want to work with young writers and help shape them and find some fresh voices of horror for tomorrow, you know, and that's what I've trying to do lately is just, and, um, is have some fun with some new filmmakers, but what I, but to get back to your question about how, um, how is it, is it hard to walk away? Yeah, it's very hard. However, I can do it. You know, I did it with, uh, Dawson's Creek and I, you know, I didn't go too far, but I stepped back and I allowed... You know, some other people to come in and take the reins, and it went quite well. I did the same thing with Vampire Diaries. That was the, always the plan with Vampire Diaries: was to come in for two years, and with my partner Julie, and then have her come in and take the reins so that I could go do something else. I never went too far. I was just down the hall. I was always, you know, I, I you know, I hung out. We were the I would uh, Julie and I are best friends, so we would, you know, sit till three in the morning, and she would pitch things to me. And I always was a part of it without being a part of it. And that's what it was like with this one. And, you know, they, they, uh, I read a script, I gave notes, I gave thoughts, you know, there were a couple of times where I looked at something and said, "Mm, are you guys all straight? Because there's a, there's a gay line here that I think we work on, you know, they're little things like that, you know, so, you know, I just, I just participated as much as they would have me. And it turns out they, they were, you know, game for anything. I didn't do much other than truly, you know, it was a lot of fun. I, what I thought was going to sort of be this awkward emotional experience turned out to be sort of rejuvenated me a little bit. I was like, oh, these guys are
1: really, really dedicated to making a great movie. And I got so, really So let me, ask you, let me ask you this. Because everyone, we're all getting a little older. You know, you're, no one's going to reveal anyone's age, but we're all getting a little older now. I'm 56. I'm, I'm very, I've made it to 56. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> well, I've made it to 52, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, in, in many many ways but my you know there is that process of going from being the hot new young thing as you were <clears throat> to now being the elder statesman and you you know obviously you've talked about vampire Dories and there's tell me a story and there's other stuff et cetera et cetera so in that you've also seen in this film we see Courtney we see David you know there are there are multiple generations of scream here what is the transition like in terms of you dealing with the screen babies because some of the people who are in your movie literally were not born when the first one came out Yep. Yeah.
3: that's why i think it's good i'm not writing it <laughs> you know i think it's time for a fresh voice you know i i um I, I always tease that i have no i wrote teenage characters longer than i ever should have you know, and, and I've been very fortunate that I've been able to do it, but, um, you know, I I don't, when I sit down to write, that's the teenage experience, isn't what I'm thinking about. And so I was happy in a lot of ways to put the pressure on somebody else. And then also the other part of it is I didn't have to live with the pain of making a movie without Wes. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, you're speaking of teenagers, Dawson's Creek, has there been talk of a reboot?
3: Oh, every other year.
2: <laughs> but like wow. how, how real or close do you think that is? And I got to assume it's an HBO Max thing.
3: Well, I, I don't know if, is there a desire for it? Do people want it? If the audience is there for it, I think it's a great idea. I, I, once again, I don't know if I'm the guy to sit down and write it. I would love to shepherd it. I would love to sort of say, here are my ideas. If, if I can help in any way, if, if you want me to put pen to paper, I will try, but I, would, I really think there's an opportunity to find a, a, a new young writer who perhaps grew up on Dawson's Creek who would love to take a whack at it. I mean, that's what we have here with Scream is Tyler and Matt and Chad, they you know, were fans of Scream. And they turned, and I think that really helped to, to take some talented filmmakers who loved the franchise and then they're the ones who rebooted it. Let's, of-
2: to- let's talk about Matt and Tyler for a second. What what do these guys know about horror? What do they do different um, from everyone that's been out there? And why were they the best ones to take over the franchise?
3: I don't, you know, I can't answer that because I just don't know. All I know is I really love Breddy or not. I thought that was a little fresh, bright light in the genre, when it hit, when it, when it came onto the scene, it was like my favorite horror film of the year. It surprised me. I thought it was just fun. I thought it was so well executed. I thought they really understood emotional horror. They, did, they weren't just trying to kill somebody. They weren't just trying to, to, to do a set piece and, and, move, and it was really emotional, I thought. And I really love that element to horror. If it's not emotional, I mean, I've always said that. If anyone asks, emotional horror, that is what you have to do to make it work.
1: You talked a bit you know, about looking for, in, in reference to Dawson's Creek, but you've also talked about it in terms of sc- this this latest Screams movie, let's call it Scream 5, Scream 5. Um, when you talk to the younger writers, younger directors, younger actors, who've been raised on, who don't even really know a time, and you know, when, when Scream came out, I mean, this is like the Clinton era, and I ain't talking Hillary Clinton here, you know? Um, a whole different world for America. I mean, you could even make a line pre-nine eleven and post nine eleven alone. For you, is it sometimes as much of an eye roll as it as it is a mutual admiration society when you're talking to those younger younger creatives? No, an eye roll. What do you mean by an eye roll? Well, because that you know that the 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 influences that you and Wes came out of nineteen seventies, horror. The the eighties, the kind of the 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 all those self-referential great jokes and remarks and plot twists that were in the original Scream that made it so original, you know, and that those of us who who grow up on horror movies were finally able to have a horror movie experience that was reflecting back to us the reality of experiencing those movies. That's very different than growing up in a world where Scream has set the bar, so to speak, because you set the bar to be self-referential. You've already set, so to speak, you know, to quote Jean Baudrillard, I guess, you've set the simulacra. Like now people look at it and they think, oh, that is what a horror movie is supposed to be. I mean, look at the Halloween reboot. The Halloween reboot is literally speaking back to past Halloween movies, you know? So I guess what I'm asking is, is you kind of, your reference points are so different in terms of the, create, the creative process there. And for you, what is that like? Because I know certainly that could be, you know, like, hey, come on, you know, get your head up out of your phone and and learn a little about this. But on the other hand, the admiration is pure. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't roll my eyes. I think I I roll my eyes at uh, bad movies. Uh, You know, when when a bad horror movie happens and there's a big bad moment, I always roll my Yeah, it's uh, a bad, bad movie is a bad movie. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Everything you just said absolutely <laughs> and you put it so eloquently you're awesome what's next for you um, I've got a little movie I wrote that I'm going to direct at Netflix that has not been announced yet so I probably shouldn't talk about it is that Sick? No. no Sick is this little horror film we made during shutdown during the pandemic, we were, we were all sitting around, me and some friends, and we were like, let's make a little horror film. And it's turned out really well. It's just, it, it's this little um, film that, you know, it's one of those survival tales. And it's it has like a first act and a third act, and then a 45-minute third act. And it's really a lot of fun. And it's, you know, it's just simple, it's emotional, and it's it's a roller coaster ride for, you know, uh, it's a little horror movie that really, I really liked it. It was fun to make. It, was fun, it kept us busy during shutdown. Nice. Yeah. So, and we're in post on that. I, I have a new TV show. that hasn't been announced yet. And um, that's kind of my year.
1: Kevin, isn't it fair to say you always have a new TV show that hasn't been announced yet? I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, but yeah, I guess so. I got <laughs> yeah, another one. exactly. And there's another one after that,
3: too. So. Ah, <laughs>
1: Well, our Nelly Andriva will be on that one. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about Scream 5. We really appreciate it, my my friend. Always a pleasure. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast Hero Nation. Make sure you subscribe and join us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe, 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 so you'll never miss an episode. And
2: of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com.